This is Matt Greller, CEO of AIM. Welcome to the Hometown Innovations Podcast. Join us as we share ways our municipalities are positioning themselves for the future, thought-provoking interviews with state and local leaders, and more. Thanks for listening as we tell the municipal story. Welcome to this edition of AIM's Hometown Innovations Podcast. This is Chelsea Schneider with AIM, and today I'm joined by Brian Gould, AIM Government Affairs Director, and Lindsay Moss, AIM Strategic Initiatives Director, and we're going to be discussing the recently concluded 2019 General Assembly session and items of interest for Indiana cities and towns. So kind of looking at a broader approach to session, it was a budget year, and you know the one thing lawmakers had to do right before they left in April was pass a new two-year state budget. Brian, give us kind of the macro look of session and what can municipal officials really glean from the budget? Yeah, so uh, going into it, like you said, it's a budget year. We also knew some other big topic issues were going to be some gaming changes that we're looking at, funding for Department of Child Services. Um, but like you said, budget bill, that's the one priority they have to get done. Um, along with the budget bill, there were about f- almost 1,400 other bills introduced. Uh, we take a close look at each of those. About 600 of them had some impact on municipal government, so we were tracking close to 600 bills this session. Uh, And of those bills that were introduced, almost 300 uh, of them passed, both chambers became law. Uh, It was, like I said, a busy session for us. In the final days of the General Assembly, we were still working on about 20 bills, which is quite a bit for us. Usually we've got it whittled down to about five key bills that are still, you know, making their way in the last final days there. Uh, so kept this very busy up till the final session. Um, one other quick thing, of those 293 bills that did pass and become law, there were no vetoes this year, so nothing too controversial to the governor's desk. Um, but a couple key highlights from the budget bill. We had kind of sounded the alarm a little bit in the last couple weeks, uh, potentially about uh, some road funding dollars and the special transportation fund being pulled back to, to make up some shortfalls in the budget as it passed out of the Senate. Glad to report back to our members today that uh, that recommendation was not in the final budget bill. Did not uh, There was not a recommendation to the governor to pull back those funds. They think they've got everything uh, worked out to properly fund DCS and, and allocate revenue for all of the other needs in the budget. Two other key things for us in the budget bill. Um, typically, you know, there might be one or two little issues for us in the budget bill that apply to local government, but really kind of two big ones this year. Uh, first being funding for broadband. There was a lot of discussion last year with Governor Holcomb's move uh, on shifting some funds from the toll road uh, leasing to pay for broadband and trails. General Assembly wasn't completely fond of his approach on that, but they did make some shifts and some changes and did allocate $100 million for rural broadband, which is going to be huge and have a significant impact. Uh, It may just be a drop in the bucket for right now, but it's a huge start coming out of really having nothing two years ago. Uh, And then next, another big one for us is uh, water infrastructure. And I'll talk about this a little bit on the utility bills in a a second. Um, But in the budget bill, there was an allocation of $10 million annually to go into a low interest loan or grant program through the Indiana Finance Authority. Uh, We've heard numbers anywhere between, uh, for that 10 million annually to allocate anywhere between 250 to $500 million in low interest loans, which is 
a significant increase for our members and much appreciated. So along with the budget, AIM has a series of operational initiatives that we work with lawmakers to pass just to streamline the work of local government um, to address any concerns that our members have about their day-to-day job. Brian, tell us a little bit about the operational initiatives this year and what we accomplished. Yeah, so busy session for AIM. Uh, One of our biggest, uh, probably more time-consuming operational bills was House Bill 1116, the AIM Government Efficiency Bill, presented by Representative Mike Karakoff, a a good uh, friend of AIM. Uh, This is our annual bill, comes from suggestions from our members on ways to cut red tape, reduce bureaucracy, address conflicts in statute, and really just make their daily jobs much easier and help them provide services for their constituents more effectively. Um, So just a couple key things that were included in that bill. Uh, One, the ability to have an executive session if they're going to be selling property. Uh, Previously under statute, they could only have an executive session if they were purchasing or leasing property. I kind of tell people that's like, Trying to have that conversation about selling your home and having interested buyers sitting at the table with you doesn't just doesn't really make sense. So you can now do that in, in, in an executive session. Uh, another key item in that bill uh, allows fiscal officers to allocate funds for any damaged property uh, much more efficiently. In the past, uh, there was a difference if they had received the funds from the individual that had caused the damage or from the insurance company. This just streamlines that process for us to allocate those funds to the appropriate department much quicker. Uh, Another really interesting uh, aspect in this bill uh, was now allowing municipal government to utilize electronic bidding. Uh, In the past, when we were receiving bids from uh, entities, uh, we could only receive those through postal mail, fax, or hand delivery. So obviously with the use of technology these days and, and trying to make things run more efficiently for our members, they can now, through a software program, uh, receive those bids electronically, which makes life much easier for everyone. Another one that's getting a lot of attention is removing partisan appointments on utility and stormwater boards. This has been kind of a multi-year phase out, if you will, um, that we've been pursuing. Last year we focused on park boards. We'll probably have a few more that we look at next year where it just doesn't make sense to have partisan appointments on those boards. And it's getting much more difficult to find people willing to serve uh, and declare which party they're in. And then one of the last key things in that bill I'd mention, uh, some clarification between unsafe premise and unsafe building. Just had some issues coming up in some communities where there was some gray area in statute on which section of code they should be utilizing for some problem properties. So just clarify that. House Bill 1427, we had an initiative item in that bill dealing with uh, when a budget is vetoed right up against the timeline. Uh, This will allow for an extension of that if the mayor vetoes the budget and give the council and DLGF a little more time to make necessary changes. Uh, Brian, you just mentioned House Bill 1427, which was a home for some positive uh, language that we had requested, but this was a big bill that contained a lot of different provisions. I think it ended up being about 230 pages long. Uh, unfortunately, there was some bad language dealing with annexation remonstrance waivers that passed in that bill. Uh, so for any city or town out there that's considering an annexation, there are some uh, new circumstances to keep in mind with remonstrance waivers. So if you have remonstrance waivers that haven't been used yet that were signed or executed prior to 2003, those unfortunately by this bill have been completely voided. 
So you're not able to count on that waiver if you go to annex that property in the future. Uh, for those waivers that were executed after 2003, there's now a 15-year expiration date on that. So for a 2005 waiver, it's going to expire in 2020. So just something to keep in mind if you're relying on those waivers for future annexations. Um, there were also some new recording requirements. If you have old waivers that haven't been recorded, they need to be recorded by 2020 in order to remain valid. And if you execute a new waiver, those already have the 15-year expiration date. That was part of the 2015 reforms. But there's also a new recording requirement for those new waivers. Uh, they must be recorded within 30 days of its execution date in order to remain valid. So just some things to keep in mind uh, when you're considering whether uh, and how to go about an annexation. Another really big initiative by AIM was the Investment Hub's proposal, and there's an update. We just got down with Legislative Council, so Lindsay, tell us a little bit about what happened. So our Investment Hub's proposal was an idea that kind of morphed originally out of the Regional Cities Initiative, where these regional development authorities were formed. Uh, the members are cities, towns, counties, um, and they were there were three regions that were awarded grants that were funded by a tax amnesty program at the state level. Um, that was a really successful program. We've seen how great it's been for South Bend, Fort Wayne, and Evansville, the regions that were awarded those first three rounds of regional cities uh, funding. But we know that there wasn't going to be another tax amnesty program where money just essentially falls out of the sky. But we do think those sorts of regional efforts are really effective and they've been shown to work. So what our proposal would, would have done um, would have given regional development authorities some more tools where they could raise revenue locally to do the same sorts of quality of life projects that regional cities funded. So this would have given RDAs access to a new local income tax or a new food and beverage tax. Um, that proposal was turned into a summer study committee. We were really pleased to see the substance actually pass one house this year. It passed the house um, and kind of got held up in the Senate, but it was officially assigned as a summer study committee topic today at the Legislative Council. And there were, I think Speaker Bosma said, 155 requests for summer study committees this year. So they had to be really kind of slim pickings um, considering uh, the pool of topics that were requested. So we were really excited to see it officially assigned as a topic and we'll definitely be gearing up to put on a great presentation when it is studied. Every year there is legislation regarding tax increment financing and changes or proposed changes to TIF. Go through you know, what happened with TIF this session. You're right, Chelsea, every year there does tend to be some sort of TIF legislation. Um, this year was no exception. There were uh, proposals in the first half of session in both the House and the Senate that would have changed the makeup of redevelopment commissions. So right now the mayor or the town council president has three appointments to the five-member RDC and the city council or the town council has two appointments. Uh, these proposals, they 
each had a little bit of a different approach, but ultimately the Redevelopment Commission would have been comprised comprised of two executive appointments, two city council appointments, and one voting school board member. Uh, right now, a school board member is already a non-voting advisory member, uh, but this would have significantly changed the makeup and the structure of redevelopment commissions in a way that we don't think is appropriate. Um, we don't have a vote on school boards the school board members are elected to make decisions for schools. Likewise, the Redevelopment Commission is created to kind of carry out the economic development vision of the local elected officials, and we just don't think it's appropriate to change the makeup of RDCs in that way. Um, it, uh, thankfully, both bills did die. One was turned into a summer study uh, committee topic request and the other bill did pass out of one committee but it was reassigned to ways and means uh, where it ultimately uh, just did not make a reappearance uh, this session. So no bad TIF language passed this year. There was a housing TIF bill that passed which uh, gives some communities a new option to form a housing TIF area uh, so you can capture the increment from residential um, the intent was to target communities that uh, have a hard time with new home starts. There's a, a lot of times kind of a financing gap for the, the home builders where they're not able to build a certain level of housing without some sort of incentive. So the housing TIF um, is now open to communities where the average home start uh, over a three-year period is less than one percent of their existing stock. So this is, um, it will be available to a wide variety of communities throughout the state. Um, and the bad news in this piece of legislation is that there was a requirement for the school corporations that are affected by housing TIF to give approval for the start of this residential housing program. So um, we're a little concerned that that's the camel's nose under the tent in terms of injecting school corporation oversight into TIF decisions, but ultimately it is uh, a new tool for locals that's not available today. And with the TIF proposals, there's a lot of proposals concerning utilities. So walk us through what the General Assembly talked about and debated about in terms of that. Right. So uh, I would say municipal utilities, perhaps not under attack this session, but definitely under a microscope. Um, there were a handful of bills um, that were complex, controversial, concerning to us. Uh, I think this is just setting the tone for future years to come. We're going to continue to see a big focus on municipal utilities. Uh, a couple of bills that I would specifically highlight, uh, House Bill 1347, dealing with rental properties and billing of rental properties for water, gas, and electric, not sewer. Um, this was a very controversial bill. Uh, we were able to remove two uh, very problematic sections of that bill, uh, but still legislators felt there was a contract law issue about pursuing unpaid fees for water, gas, and electric from a property owner that was not part of the contract between the tenant and utility. Uh, we knew the bill would leave um, the need for some policy changes and some shifts and how we operate our municipal utilities. Uh, so we've been working closely with some municipal uh, utility attorneys uh, to look at how the, how the bill is going to impact our communities and what changes may need to be made. Uh, we'll be doing a follow-up webinar on June 25th 
to provide some more guidance and uh, direction as to what the bill's impact will be and what policy changes our members need to make. A couple others I mentioned real quick, 1266 dealing with stormwater preemption for those communities that are a MS4 stormwater entity, uh, some significant changes there. We've been fighting that bill for quite a few years. Um, we're able to make some modifications to it, but we'll still require some more changes for those stormwater communities. 1406 and Senate Enrolled Act 4, two companion bills dealing with water infrastructure. We talked a little bit about that in the budget bill, um, but this was legislation that followed up from last year's Water Infrastructure Task Force. Uh, the legislature has identified there's a significant need for additional funding for water, wastewater, stormwater, infrastructure in the state of Indiana. Um, we'll continue that conversation this year as the uh, part of that committee was assigned to the interim study committee. So conversation will continue. Uh, Senate Enrolled Act 193 dealing with water and sewer connections through right-of-way. Somewhat of a controversial bill, but there were several attempts to put many other pieces of harmful legislation into that bill dealing with water and sewer hookup fees, the way we determine rate structures. We were able to keep a lot of that really harmful language out. Um, but I think we'll continue to see municipal utilities stay on, their, on the radar of legislators in the future. Definitely. And to wrap up the podcast, a really busy year, right, in the right. General Assembly. What can our members do in the interim before they reconvene for the 2020 session? What can they be doing to interact with their lawmakers and make sure the municipal um, interests are heard? I think my one recommendation for myself, Lindsay will probably have another one here, um, is you've got to stay engaged. You can't, when session's over, you can't go three or four months and not communicate with them. Now is a great time to reach out, say thank you for some of these positive bills that we've talked about here on the podcast. Um, let them know if there are some issues happening in your community that are a result of legislation and how we're trying to deal with those. But you've got to stay engaged over the summer. It's hard to believe, but you know, in a matter of two months, legislators are going to start working on their ideas for next year. Bills will start being drafted, and we'll start coming up with our uh, initiatives for next year as well. Um, so stay engaged with them, communicate with them, and then also uh, one of the first things we talked about was our AIM operational initiative, our, our government efficiency bill. Uh, if you are encountering those issues on a daily basis at your job that you question why we have to do these things, let us know, let us help, let us work on legislation to make uh, your jobs a little easier. Totally agree, Brian. It is so important for members to stay engaged with their legislators. It makes our jobs at the State House so much easier when they have an established relationship with their local officials back home. We also this summer will be hitting the road to talk about investment hubs with legislators, but also with municipal officials. So look for information from us on when we'll be doing some of these regional meetings uh, to kind of gear up and um, really start pushing hard for this proposal for the 2020 session. Great. Well, thank you so much, Brian and Lindsay. We really appreciate your time on the podcast. Thanks. Thanks.